you actually have no idea what you're talking about. Hello and welcome to episode number 80 of the Grumpy Old Ben's podcast for Monday, July 27th, 2020. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where the weather is raining water, but all throughout the weekend, it was raining lead. And from the city hosting the impromptu Democrat National Convention here on America's left coast, I'm Ryan Bemrose. You guys are competing with Portland right now. You know yeah. that, right? Yeah, I, I don't know how the I mean, the politicians, they have to split their pandering between the two sets of domestic terrorists. I don't get it. I don't get how violence in the streets is going to help anybody. But haven't haven't you watched CNN? The protesters are peaceful. It's it's the federal agents who are are the ones that are bringing the violence. Oh, so of I'm course. Told. Of course, I, I forgot that was the narrative. And I noticed when when the uh, you know White Sox press or White Sox White House thinking too much baseball going on when the White House yes. press secretary Kaylee decided Honestly, I'd rather hear from the White Sox press secretary, probably. But when they start playing the video of the violence going on in Portland, I don't know if you saw the video of that, but it was fantastic because you have, you know, the whole press corps sitting there and she has the monitors on either side of her. And just starts playing the video from Portland from the night before where they're trying to set a federal courthouse ablaze. And and you know that nobody in that room had ever seen that before. Right. Because if there's one thing that journalists (laughs) today cannot possibly handle, it is being exposed to the truth that might compromise their ability to do their job. I know. And they certainly didn't like it because that's when people start cutting away that were carrying the press conference live because. Again, CNN can't accidentally show video of the violence because all they've no. been telling people is, oh, you know, a the the keywords are usually the overall, you know, peaceful protest or the mostly peaceful protest going on. It's like, yeah, sorry, sorry. When when you're setting the entire downtown on fire, like when when I'm taking, you know, there there's basically two roads around here that go north to south, and and beyond that, there's water on one side, mountains on the other. And when I have to drive through a crap hole like Bellevue and go out of my way simply because I'm not sure that I five isn't going to be stopped by somebody throwing fucking Molotovs, then uh, yeah, Seattle is has got a problem. Yeah, that's taking it one step too far. This is not something either that is a direct result of the George Floyd killing. This isn't a direct cause of anything this is a concerted effort by groups of marxists who want violence in the streets of the united states there's no other way to explain this this is not something that the narrative fits anymore of well the people just got really upset and they went out and they rioted you know for the first day or two maybe you're what almost two months into this thing now yeah well it's i mean you know, even even on the first day or two, it wasn't just a response. It wasn't just a response to George Floyd's murder. They, you know, it, depending on how conspiracy minded you are, the George Floyd murder was 
either they were waiting for a, a convenient killing of somebody black, which, you know, as as you know, in a nation of almost half a billion people, uh, you're going to find a story somewhere that that you can use as a justification. Like all you have to do is have cameras on everything everywhere. And eventually, usually, you know, by mid afternoon tea, somebody is going to do something that you can blow out of proportion and, and then use your know, super laser, focus your narrative on it and say, this is the, you know, and get everybody worked up over this one thing. It's the, it, it's selection bias at a national level. And that, that is the the charitable explanation for this. The other more conspiracy minded explanation, which frankly, in 2020, anything goes. So maybe this is it is that they just straight up went to a Hollywood backlot and filmed the whole George Floyd scene so that they could doctor it and release it so that they could get people pissed off. But either way, once that happened, they were like, great. Now all of our plans are in place. Let's ship out the pallets of bricks. Let's, you know, send all of our people with 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 homemade custom riot gear that you guarantee I guarantee they've been working on for more than a month that has all the Antifa logos and stuff on it and the you know matching helmets. I no, this is not something that that somebody just decided to make in their basement on the of the cuff. This this was planned. Yeah, and while it you know, it seems like the George Floyd thing did actually happen, the fact that Otherwise, rational people would now consider this because I've done the same thing with, you know, was this was this real? How do we know? How do, was this really a cop? I mean, how do we know these stories are real? How do we know this wasn't just something planted that, you know, the people nobody can disprove it because unless you actually know this guy, how do you know if he's real or not? It could be brand new, completely a brand new type of fiction going on, which is, uh, you know, the news. No, no, the the news is that's a very, very old type of fiction. <laughs> it is. It is. But uh, I mean, we still have violence in Chicago this weekend. Yeah. Another 59 yeah. shots. And, 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 and well, Chicago probably has more people dying. I actually have to apologize that that we stole all of your press this weekend. Well, we, you, that would be nice. It's nice to do that every now and then. But our mayor, well, not our mayor, because I don't actually live in the city, but Chicago's mayor. Claim. I don't want to claim her. I do not want to claim Mayor Lightfoot, but uh, her ongoing explanation for this is utter insanity. I don't think we've ever discussed it on the show because I think this Wait, is just. Uh, hold on. Are, are you saying that the explanation is utter insanity or that she is saying utter insanity is the reason? For <laughs> no, no, that would be that would be actually make more sense if she would just yeah. say utter insanity in the yeah. city is like, the problem like why why is there so much violence in chicago oh it's because those people are utterly insane yes they're all yeah, nuts that's i mean that's valid i mean they they also vote democrat so <laughs> it's plausible proof there is your proof right there they vote democrat and have for a mayor i don't remember when the last i don't think my lifetime 50 years old i don't think there's ever been a republican mayor of chicago so there's that but her explanation is that indiana is the problem it's it's too easy to get a gun <laughs> in indiana so people are going to indiana and they're bringing the guns to chicago that is way to deflect bitch that is literally yes that is literally the explanation she's giving without really looking into the reality because you know there are records 
the guns that the Chicago police have taken off the streets and confiscated over the last X amount of years, they know how many of those were in so the, the hands is, of is a registered gun Indiana. owner. Gun, guns from Indiana. That's the whole thing. It, like a, a, the entire population of Chicago just up and went over to Indiana for yes. a while to, to purchase gun, probably using the gun show loophole, right. which would make that the biggest gun show ever. <laughs> yeah, they're all they were all legally purchased, I'm sure. Tens of millions of people all at the same gun show. Somehow they fit into this one convention center. You know, she doesn't want to talk about the stats of the guns that they've taken off the streets in the last 10 years. I'd like to know what percentage that were used in a crime were actually in the hands of a registered gun owner who had purchased the firearm legally. I'm guessing 90 plus percent were in the hands of people who didn't have a permit, didn't buy them legally. Just well, how about how about what happens to those guns afterward? Because I, I, I would venture to say that the proportion of them that are actually melted down is probably pretty low. A lot of them, I'm betting, go right back on the street once nobody's looking. Yeah, that would make sense. But you got to keep the got to keep this thing going. It's like a big carousel going around and around and around. And it's the insanity carousel. And Mayor Lightfoot was talking really big. And I don't have a whole ton of details. I've just got the broad strokes on this story. But allegedly, you know, she was going out saying, Trump, no way. We're not allowing any federal agents to yeah, come yeah, into Chicago. To see you try to stop them. Was, yeah, that's also my first thought, because the only way. You know, what does the mayor of Chicago or of any of these cities, you know, the mayor of Seattle, the mayor of Portland, what do they have to stop federal officials coming in? Well, the only force you really would have would be your police force. And I've heard from enough Chicago cops follow some on Twitter. They're not real happy with the way the mayor has been doing things. Yeah, And, and right now, the it's a wonder that the Seattle police have not walked off the job on mass. Uh, they've had something like. 20% of their of the Seattle police force now or 15 or something have just straight up said, okay, you know, I was due for retirement. So, uh, bye. Yeah. Now's a good time to, to get off the job. And, uh, from what I understand though, something happened that changed mayor Lightfoot's mind. And it happened to a couple other mayors over the last week or so. And that is the protesters wound up at her house. <laughs> yeah well that you you know that was that was the thing that led to the uh final demise of of Chaz or chop or whatever the, they called it by the end was the you know jenny durkin the mayor of seattle was saying oh it's just a block party and the people are getting shot and then uh, the the protest you know she said something like well you know we might want to clean this up and suddenly a bunch of protesters including the commie city council member all showed up at her house. She was at city hall at the time and they terrorized her husband and her kid at her private residence doing a BLM protest outside. And, you know, BLM protest pretty much involves, you know, throwing bricks. No, no, they're, they're, they're peaceful fire. No, yeah, I, I watched that, no, that is peaceful. peaceful. That is the definition of peaceful throwing, throwing bricks and setting things on fire. That is peaceful. It, uh, you, you might get killed by a, a peaceful brick hitting you in the side of the head. But at least it was peaceful. Yes. Too much peace. It can be deadly. Yeah. We're, we're learning that in the United States. And this is well, the one thing that I don't know. I mean, I don't know how tone deaf the Democrats can be. And I understand we're generalizing here, but the left and the right seems to have a 
a pretty big line in the middle right now. And that is, you know, orange man bad and he must be taken out of office. And the concept is if we can play up this virus body count, which is questionable, that we can hurt the president. The the body count isn't going up. Everything that I've heard from my dipshit governor has been new cases, new cases, new cases, and nothing about deaths. Deaths are apparently pretty damn close to zero because that's not in the news. You'd think that if more than two people died in the last month of this stupid virus, that he would be up on a podium screaming how we all need to just give up more of our constitutional rights in order to curb this thing because somebody somewhere got sick. But no, it's just new cases. And and he doesn't even say, you know, the 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 CDC guidelines, which. Uh, describe the difference between confirmed cases and probable cases. Confirmed cases are you took that stupidly inaccurate test and somewhere along the line, somebody said, yeah, yeah, this shows up even, you know, even if it's one of the corrupt labs that is uh, very rationally deciding that every single person getting tested is absolutely positive because they get $3,000 per positive test, regardless of whether or not they're accurate. And the, you know, the, the politician, uh, you know, Mr. J fucking Inslee, who <laughs> stood up and and decided, by the way, to revert all of the magnanimous opening that he did over the last month and say, no, everybody now is going back to full lockdown. Not that anybody's paying any damned attention anymore because fuck that guy. Uh, he is saying this because new cases. Right. But remember, the CDC guidelines say. Uh, a confirmed case is somebody got a test and it said yes. And and again, test wildly inaccurate and lots of incentives for the testing agency to just say, yeah, everybody's positive. Sure. Why not? But he's not even doing that because these other guideline is probable cases where if somebody gets a positive test, everybody that they can confirm or or even allege that that person has walked past on the street for the last two weeks is now a probable case and those are being counted in the numbers. So when my dipshit governor goes up and says, we have to relock down the state because there's 20,000 new cases in the last day, that means 20,000 people were in the same fucking city as one corrupt testing agency who said, yeah, I'd like $3,000. Yeah, sure. This is a positive case. And that's why we still can't even go to a fucking bar. Well, and let's just assume that that positive case was actually a positive case. One thing we started hearing about a month, month and a half ago was the concept that as the virus goes through its natural progression and, you know, it it starts changing, it starts evolving, that the overall severity of it was going down. That's not to say that nobody that gets this is going to have a bad reaction, but the overall picture was less people were having severe cases of this. The, the guy, for one thing, it's summer. People don't have severe cases of flu in summer unless you're already immunocompromised. The, the one guy from the white Sox that had this, he is a young guy in his twenties and obviously very physically fit, had a positive case. I saw an interview with him and he said, the only thing he had was the loss of smell. And the loss of taste for a couple of days, maybe a little bit of a cold kind of a feeling, but that was it. 
on the other side of that, there was a guy, uh, was it Ryan Zimmer? There was another baseball player that I saw interviewed last night saying, you know, he had a fever of 104 and it was really serious and really bad while he went through it. But of course, he also survived. And this is what we need to start looking at is how deadly is it really? You're seeing a lot of people pushing the stuff that there are no hospital beds without explaining how hospital, how the numbers work. When they say what their capacity, current capacity is, it's just what they're set up for. It's not their maximum capacity. There's a lot of confusion and the lack of having any real journalists covering this that will ask the questions about, well, what do you mean when you say you're at 80 percent capacity where the hospital might say, well, you know what? Right now we're set up for 100 ICU beds. Uh, right, right now we're set up for five and four of them have people in them. Right. And we can do a hundred. So, I mean, if we need to expand, but right now this is what we're at. So yeah. that's all going to be interesting to look at. But when it comes to the violence, I believe the, what the Democrat, the left, the people that are pushing this stuff originally thought this was going to be great because having the nation in turmoil and violence in tons of major cities for this kind of an extended period of time is no question a city and a country, you know, these cities and, and the country are in a turmoil right now. The thing is, they thought this was going to show people that Trump can't handle this and he needs we, we need to vote him out when the reality is Biden and the left have shown themselves to be so weak when it comes to law and order. That this could very well backfire on them because could I, the, the, the only way this doesn't backfire is if they manage to keep the entire population in the dark as to what they have actually been doing or, or mail in voting be true. Yeah. Well, widespread fraud is also an option. You know, he's in especially in Chicago. There's no question. Widespread fraud is always an option. And not when you have Kanye. I mean, and really. Everybody wants to think of Kanye as a joke, and maybe he is in certain aspects, but Kanye saying things like he could beat Joe Biden with just a hundred percent right in candidacy. I think that's not going to take much this year. Yeah, that may be true. Biden. I, I mean, yeah, Biden. <laughs> no, here's my prediction. You know, I predicted at at the beginning of the year and even late last year, I said it, it, Trump is going to get reelected because nobody in the field here understands what it is that got him elected. Nobody on the Democrat side, at least in the presidential race, understands what got Trump elected. And that is why they can't counter it. And it, this was proved when they put up Biden, who is going to be the next fucking Walter Mondale. I mean, <laughs> he is not going to win a goddamn state. He might not even win that basement that he's been hiding in for the last four months. And, yeah. and you know what? He won't even know. I, I I keep waffling back and forth. On the one hand, he's clearly he clearly has dementia. It, it is pretty damned obvious. Anybody, you know, anybody who's seen him speak, which admittedly is not most of the voters, because the 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 journalists, the mainstream media will not put that man on camera in anything less than or longer than a 10 second soundbite. Right. Because he's unintelligible. He is. It, it's just you, you can't tell what he's saying because he doesn't know what he's saying. He's clearly an old man suffering from dementia. And while that kind of thing deserves my pity, this old man is trying to put the slave mask mandate on forever. 
No, I don't want, you know, as soon as that old man drops out of the race, he can have my pity until then. Fuck him and all of the douchebags who are pushing for him to be in the office. Well, they're missing out on the fact of, I mean, I think Mo Fax and Adam Curry hit on why Trump was elected. And that was on this most recent episode of that podcast where they took a deep dive and I haven't even finished listening to the thing yet, but it's a deep dive into Barack Obama and his whole rise and what brought him where he is. And Mo had a clip. You mean how you mean how it's forget Trump? Obama was by far the richest president that we've ever had in the office. I don't know if he was the richest when was, he took office, but I mean, well, that was probably my favorite factoid of the of that particular Mo fact. He, he certainly is now. I have, to, I have to get to that point. But when they played the clip and I'm assuming it was probably Saturday Night Live, which was they had the person doing the translation and they had somebody impersonating Obama and doing his usual type of speech. So and it was like, well, this is Barack Obama talking about, you know, the the problems in North Korea and Iran. And it's like, well. We're going to be very clear if they continue doing things we don't like, then we're going to have to look at diplomatic ways of taking care of this. And then it's like, here's the translation into angry black man. And that was, hey, we're going to fuck you up. You keep doing that and went on this whole thing. And and then they're like, you know, you know who that that second guy sounds like Trump. That's how Trump talks. He is a street fighter. He's a guy that doesn't pander to people. He doesn't pretend to be the smartest guy in the room. And that's how he gets his point across. Biden's trying to be another Obama with the, oh, I'm going to be above the fray and pretend I'm smart, even though he can't make a sentence. I don't know how that works, but Biden can't even be Biden anymore. And he wasn't even very good at that for the last, what, 85 years that he was in Congress. Well, yeah. Explain that to me. How how do we get a fresh face from somebody who has been in Washington, D.C. for longer than most of the voters have been alive? Hey, and I know I've said this before, but Barack Obama. And Joe Biden had the presidency and vice presidency for eight full years. And over those eight years, I never remember hearing the words systemic racism. They had uh, eight well, years. I, I did, but but only in in Marxist colleges. Well, there you go. There you go. And that's, that's I mean, who's the, still the pushing seeds, it. The seeds were being planted. It, 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 have you seen the, the, the list of uh, somebody compiled? a list of all of the people who've been arrested in Portland for uh, this was just Portland that I saw, but I'm sure it's happened elsewhere who've been arrested as members of Antifa who are going around trying to set the city on fire and managed to confirm that like 40% of them are public teachers. Wow. Who've been doing nothing since February. Wow. See now that says it all. And I know I police union Police union is not the problem here. How about we break up the damn teachers union? I said that. How about, I, how about you know, I've got a fucking, I've got a ballot on my desk right now because it's the, the primary. And my favorite part about this ballot is the fact that there are 36 names, including Jay Inslee for governor on this thing. Yeah. It's just it's the primary was telling and, me about that. Yeah. It's just the primary. And you, you know, damn well that Inslee's going to, you know, the, the, the result is the top two vote getters go to the primary and Inslee's going to be one of those. It's going to happen. But whoever the other one is, is going to get it. You know, if 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 Washington is well, what I what I hope and don't actually suspect, then then whoever is other than Inslee on this thing is going to get 70 percent of the vote. But what do I know? But the uh, other things, the the far more interesting to me on this ballot is uh, the down ballot stuff. 
which includes things like, you know, local offices, legislative districts, and uh, honestly, uh, fuck the incumbent in every single one of them. But right there at the end, uh, school district proposition, uh, they want capital improvement, school construction, and they want a general levy for $300 million collected over the next five years for uh, operations. Excuse me. You're not operating. You're you're not giving me any benefit. You're not even babysitting my kids, which is the only damn thing that public schools have managed to actually do for the last 20 years. You're, you're not even accomplishing that. I am getting zero value out of schools. Why would I ever vote yes on this property tax boondoggle? Well, that is an issue. And the teachers unions are a problem. And again, I didn't do a deep dive on it, but there was a teacher somewhere in the heartland who allegedly tweeted that I can no longer stay silent. Donald Trump is our president and he was fired. So, I mean, I don't know how nuts the school systems yeah. have gone. And I know Maybe this is a generalization a longer. What? Maybe he should have stayed silent. Maybe because I, either that or, or lined up a new job a lot sooner because it, 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 it doesn't take that much paying attention to realize you're in an organization full of, dipshits that are going to fire people for saying things like trump is our president yes i mean that is such a radical statement to make and i understand we're generalizing there are some very good teachers out there don't get me wrong overall the teachers unions are crap and trump knows this and he took a jab at them the other day i don't know if you saw this because you were off glamping somewhere that yes the i I was enjoying my heat stroke where they were telling (laughs) us to put it, it was it was 106 degrees Fahrenheit where I was in Washington. And there were people. Yes. Holy it, cow. The, the eastern half of the of the state is a desert. You know, uh, it, it was 106 degrees where I was. And there were people walking around outside sweat pouring down their uh, their foreheads. Bright red, although the bright red might have been sunburned, but that was just that was definitely me. But like absolutely dying with big wolf freaking face coverings on i'm like take that thing <laughs> off and breathe motherfucker why i like fresh air <laughs> got the face masks on outside and uh i i, I mean seriously it it's not the virus that's gonna kill you yeah it sure looks like you got a fever you've got sunstroke dumbass take the face covering off you nope. cut you need oxygen oxygen is good and duodenum in the troll room which if we do these when we do these shows live mondays and fridays mainly at 11 a.m central noagendastream.com that's the place you want to be it's not gallamping it's glamping which is glamorous camping which is for the people that go camping you know rather than being in a tent and really i was in a tent you know it was more rvs with air conditioning i I wasn't in a tent i wasn't private chefs well no the well bamlet was my private chef (laughs) but but I was in a tent, which meant, and, and I, I had, I had, uh, okay. Yeah. It was glamping. I had an extension cord running to my tent with an electric fan because it was the only possible way that I could get to sleep before 2 a.m. That but, doesn't sound like fun. I mean, I, I don't, you know, everybody around grumpy. me, everybody around me was in motorhomes of some kind, which every single one had an AC unit on the top running. <laughs> so, so it you know, sounded I, like all night long. Well, yeah. And I, I'm I'm waking up in a pool of sweat because you know it at at sunrise it's 88 degrees, but yeah, um, 
Uh, you know what? If if I go back there when when it's that temperature, that this, by the way, was actually even unusually high temperatures for this place. But if, if man, you know, the, the motor home in an air conditioned box might be the way to go. But then again, um, if I'm going to go out to the desert to go camping and then spend all my time in an air conditioned box, maybe I just stay home. It's not a bad idea. That's not a bad idea. And a lot of those teachers should have. But uh, Trump had a great idea. And I'm not sure if this has been, you know, presidential ordered or anything like that, or if there's any legislation already going down the, you know, down that slope. But he said for all of these states, when they're mainly the blue states that don't want to open the schools, you know, like Washington, like Illinois, the states that don't want to open the school, he says, well, all of that property tax money that you're collecting for the schools. Yeah. When do I get my rebate? That's what he's saying. Refund it. You have <laughs> to refund that money so people can pay for private school or use that for tutoring. Because if you if you're not opening, you don't get the tax money. And that I applaud him for. Yeah, I, I, I they, there is a school levy on my ballot. And I, 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 I hope this levy doesn't pass because we are literally getting zero benefit. They haven't been teaching kids for 20 years. All they've been trying to do is indoctrinate them. But now they're not even babysitting kids. You know, if I have kids, they're stuck at home driving me nuts instead of going to school and driving a teacher nuts. Not what we pay our teachers for. Actually, you know, I'm, I, I am being terribly unfair because I know a lot of teachers and the majority of teachers that I know got into it you know, teaching doesn't pay all that much you're not going to make six figures at least in washington on you know being a, a second grade teacher it, they get into it because they like to help kids and that is extremely noble um these are not the people that i'm railing against the the school system the public school system the public school administrative system with their zero tolerance. I don't even want to have to make decisions, even though that's your only job. Uh, the, you know, administrators making six figures, making 250,000 a year just to, to stand there and collect property taxes from you. That, that is corruption. And the most corrupt organization in the state, other than the office of the governor right now is the teachers union, which all teachers, whether you want to or not, have to be in belong to you have to pay dues because in the state of washington if your job says it's unionized then screw you even if the union starts sending the money directly to people you hate you still have to pay them and the teachers union is by far the most powerful organization in the state they're the ones who are corrupt they're the ones that i have a problem with and the information as far as what teachers in your area make is public record. I've looked this up in the past and really hit a lot of people in the mouth with this information who had no idea the kind of yeah. salaries that they're paying around here. I, mean, I, the, I think wh- starting salary for a teacher around here is like 55,000, which is poverty line in Seattle. Yeah, well, I mean, but they go way up and that's about what they start here for the lower grades. But my favorite one was the local school which was in the district where i grew up the librarian and granted i think this was like her last year so she'd probably been in the system for you know 40 years something like that but the librarian at the local high school was making i think it was 185,000 a year 
to be the librarian, not even a teacher. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, but, holy crap, that's uh, that's good money if you can get it. Y- you know, I I'm kind of OK with that because almost all of the knowledge that I gained in public school was in the library when I was doing things like skipping recess so that I could go to the library and read an encyclopedia. Yeah, I was that kid. Nerd. Nerd. <laughs> Deal with it. <laughs> No but doubt about it. it. It was it was where I got I didn't gain knowledge from the the lesson plan the teachers made up. Usually I'd, you know, sit there and they're like, okay, turn to chapter two in your book. And I'm already reading chapter 13 because two was boring. Well, knowledge is power, and you have the knowledge, which is why when people donate to Grumpy Old Benz, you are the person that can deem them an expert. Yes. You have the knowledge. It, I tell you what, anybody who donates to Grumpy Old Benz is in fact an expert because it means that that well, you, it means that, you know, at least as much as all of the people who go out on CNN and say, yeah, there's there's definitely a link between uh, the COVID-19 and, uh, you know, a, a reduction in the amount of rioting. And so if you it's actually best for, you know, if, if you don't want to spread the virus, then everybody should go outside and burn down their city. Well, that's it. And CNN, I've been opening their website up just for fun on a daily basis. And trying to guess the headline. And it's always about Trump <laughs> and it's always negative yeah. and it's always yeah. just the, the word. The word Trump appears. The word peaceful is probably there. And, well, yes, because they're definitely peaceful protests. There was uh, somebody I follow on Twitter had uh, retweeted with a comment. One of these uh, Marxist socialist reporters who had a retweet of Trump, which was the story in Austin about the guy who had a gun and start shooting at a car and then the guy in the car one shot boom guy's dead adam talked yeah. about it on no agenda and what, was he shooting at the car or was he just brandishing his gun it seems like he was it seems like he was shooting so whether he was shooting if at the, the dude outside the car starts shooting yes then then yes lethal force authorized open fire but it, the the way that i heard it when i listened to well i only heard the the no agenda version of the story but I had the impression that the dude outside was just being menacing with a gun. And that is not justification for deadly force in my book. I understand that the dude in the car was scared. I would be too. Might even be gunning it and being like, well, I hope you guys have good health insurance because you're all under my car now. But man, I, I, the, it, it, the, the standards for pulling out my gun and actually shooting somebody are going to be pretty damned high. Yeah, the Duodenum saying the same thing. That's what I heard, which is the guy that had the brandishing the gun that was the protester okay. got five shots off. I don't know if he was shooting well, at the car. All, in that case, all bets are off. And yes. you, congratulations, motherfucker. You just got a one way ticket to wherever you're going after this life. Yeah, because it doesn't matter if he was firing at the car or not, because the guy in the car, if he's firing at anything, the guy in the yeah. car is like, well, I'm, I'm either he's protecting himself or the other citizens that, in the area because this guy's got a gun and he's it's a, he's shooting it. Yeah, well, I'm. I, and and again, you know, part of the the thing that goes, you, know, you I have a a variant. Anybody who's responsible with a gun should have a very very high threshold for what needs to be happening before you pull that thing out and and decide to use it. But the other side of that coin is that if you are responsible with your gun, once you've met that threshold, you do not hold back. You just like, okay, this magazine is all going into you because I need you to not be doing what you're doing. And this is the way I, that has to be done. Yes. Well, that is, you know, Hey, that is the whole concept. When you got criminals out there who are doing nefarious things, 
you can have citizens who are there to protect themselves and others because I mean, we've all been told you can't rely on the police. And that is absolutely true because they only have so much resources and only so many police officers there. And this is why people taking responsibility for themselves is a good thing. But this reporter who is uh, retweeting this Trump retweet said, quote, just the president of the United States celebrating vigilante homicide. That's how this story is being covered. So not asshole protester fires off his gun and gets killed because of it this is vigilante homicide it's like the guy that was killed started shooting you dumb bitch i mean come on michelle goldberg but i knew this you know the minute when i see stuff like this because it was todd wilson that uh, posted this with this is a lie i think he listens to grumpy old bands or we know he listens to no agenda anyway I went and looked at who Michelle Goldberg was. And when you get to her little page on the the tweeters that says what, you know, her little bio, it is New York Times columnist and MSNBC contributor. And I'm like, oh, I, liar. Yeah. Yeah. The, the phrase New York Times columnist is synonymous with, uh, it, you know, it, Marxism addled millennial. Yeah. But this is how the news is being covered, which is. Just the insanity of the day that somebody is there in their car going, driving through a protest. Well, not necessarily driving through. There's a protest adjacent going here. He didn't drive the car into people or anything like that, which has also happened. But yeah, the guy with the gun with the AR or whatever he had, I think it was an AR 15 type gun. Once this guy starts shooting. What you described is why I won't even drive through Seattle right now. Yeah. I, I mean, I. I had to go past Seattle and and like I said, there's there's not a hell of a lot of space on it, but I yeah, okay, I'll I'll drive around the lake on the other side because I'm not I'm I'll not going swim to that city. through the lake to get away yeah. from uh, there there is not there is not a day goes by that I regret living outside the Seattle city limits. I'm just gonna let you know. No, and it's getting worse. And the interesting thing is the left has always wanted people to be moving into the cities. That has been on their platform for a while they want to well, they, there there are obvious uh infrastructure benefits to increasing density for example uh, uh under a certain level of density transit isn't really effective and everybody needs cars and over a certain level of density nobody needs cars and transit gets you everywhere you want to go and so if you want to save the earth then we all uh, want to save the earth 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 what's the difference? Uh, yeah. Then then you need you need to cram people in cities as much as possible. Well, uh, congratulations right now, Seattle, Portland, Chicago. You are all having object lessons in why I don't live in the middle of a big city. Insanity is what it is, because this is where the yeah. protesters are. They don't really bother the suburbs. They did like that first day. And then they realized, you know, I think this really was was it the guy in Florida. I think it was one of the sheriffs that said. You know, we heard stories that the Black Lives Matter, these these rioters were going to come out into the suburbs and they had plans to, you know, loot and break into homes and stuff like this. And he's like, the people of my county are very well armed and I would recommend you don't come around. And that is the truth. It's a way easier. You know, if you're a rioter, you don't want to be in my neighborhood because you'll probably get shot if you do something. Yeah. And well, uh, first of all, if if these 
rioters and domestic terrorists actually get an opportunity to think for themselves and decide where to go, uh, you know, they're probably going to you know beg off and go to the go home or local bar if the bars were open, if they got to choose. But of course, it's it's the organizers, it's the the people behind the scenes who are never going to be out where they can get arrested. They're just the ones directing all of these useful idiots to to go somewhere. But it doesn't benefit them to get all their useful idiots shot up in the suburbs. And it's not quite as flashy to burn down a suburb, a suburban strip mall anyway, because you know that they're going to put another one up tomorrow anyway. There's probably another one being built already. Yeah, there, there's probably one across the street under construction anyway. I mean, what, what do you need? Yes, we'll just move over there. It'll be great. We wanted a new one anyway. But the violence. And again, if Black Lives Matter, there was a story out of Milwaukee. There was a guy named Burnell Trammell, who was a 60 year old and he was a black guy. And he was people called him like a Rastafarian preacher type guy, but he was a Trump supporter. And he had done oh, an, an interview. That deserves a death sentence. It is. He was shot and killed wait, outside. Wait, oh, uh, Jesus. I don't, that, I this is that. exactly the problem. He was shot and killed outside of his I store. I was being sarcastic, you idiots. This, Stop shooting people because of what they say. You know, and that this is what it's being investigated now. I mean, I have a very high, hard time believing that this wasn't politically motivated, but he did a last interview that day with somebody and. You know, he's a guy that walks around like with the signs, you know, he's, he's an old school guy. He's you know, he understands the way these these protesters work, but he wasn't going to be bullied into changing his opinion. He supported the president and most likely it got him killed. And this should be very worrisome for everybody. I mean, if black uh, lives for, matter, for ev- everybody who is not on the far, far left might start to. Well, I mean, first of all, this story would have to get out and I didn't even hear about it because obviously, you know, it didn't show up on NBC News or whatever. Uh, I don't I don't watch that either. You know, it was so awesome being on vacation last week and not hearing a single story about this crap. Yeah. And it's nonstop and it is overwhelming. There's no question about it. And which is why I mean, that's one of the reasons, you know, we've started talking about it on the show. We started out wanting to do tech. We wanted to do different things. But still right, want to do tech. Yes, I, I do, too. But it's important to point out the fact that there's a reason why the stories you're hearing are on your television or on your radio. And there's a reason why the stories you're not hearing aren't on your television or your radio. And those right now are some vital differences. Well, I, I think that, you know, first of all, I think that that people, regardless of, you know, the, the media does not have the stranglehold on information that they used to have. and Social media, for all of its faults and the fact that it is literally destroying our society today, does have the effect of getting people access to information in an uncontrolled manner. And that is really what needs to happen when your media is fully controlled. And I think that people are, you know, as they learn about more and more stories about, wait, the 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 peaceful protesters did what they murdered, who Um, I, I think that the 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 majority of people i i still firmly believe the majority of the people out there just want to be left alone and would if if they acknowledged or were confronted by what's going on at all which a lot of you know never underestimate the power of the general public to stick its head in the sand uh 
if those people were were really forced to think about it, they'd be like, no, this isn't right and would stand up and do something about it. And we are careening. I I think it's I I don't think it's going to happen. We are careening closer and closer to the point where the average person who just wants to be left alone is actually going to be stirred into action. And when that happens, if that happened, there would be such a backlash against these noisy Marxists that have been seizing all of the press and dragging the culture around for the last five years that they'd never even seen. They'd be like, wait, what happened? But the, the, the requirement would be you, it actually has to get so bad that all of the people who just want to be left alone finally are like, fine, I'll get off the couch. And that's tough. And also I don't, by the way, I don't think it's going to happen because I think that all, all of this crap coming from the Democrat party is going to settle down at the election. And, and in fact, I'm sure it'll be like November 4th that Inslee having just lost his governor race will be like, <laughs> you, you know, actually um, it turns out that the numbers are, aren't, aren't quite what we said. And I was given bad information from my health director. And so um, open up the state. NetNet has a very interesting question, which would be, would social media be the cancer that all claim it is if the actual news media told the truth? And probably not. Yes. Well, I mean, it wouldn't be as bad because you'd actually be well, able to point to the what used to be trusted in the United States, which was the media had people that were biased on both sides of the aisle on both political well, there, spectrums. There's more than one problem with social media. The the information aspect would definitely change if we had reliable sources of information that weren't social media. Yeah, the hate would uh, still be there. The the hate would be there. More importantly, the uh, the insular bubble communities would still be there. That is that is the great social ill that social media is creating. Is it is creating? You know, every every human has the capability to really get out and socialize with somewhere between one hundred and two hundred people. Those are the people who are in your personal tribe. Those are the people that you you know you know what they want for breakfast you know you know that that they like cats that, that you can keep that information it's just a human being limitation that you got about let's call it a hundred people that you can know really well and consider like part of your your tribe your group the people that you are close with and social media is saturating that limit on everybody you know every person who logs into Facebook and spends eight hours a day there. Their tribe is saturated by people in exactly the same demographic with exactly the same experiences, and they have no space in their tribe to care about what happens to anybody outside their age group, anybody else in their neighborhood, in their home. They just they 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 can't care. They biologically do not have the capacity to give a crap about the people physically around them because. They already give too many craps about people, virtual people on the other end of a Facebook page. That is the harm that social media is doing. And access to information won't change that. Well, no, because it has a, a uh, it's taken the world and made it feel small in a bad way. As you pointed out on one of the earlier episodes with the school shootings and stuff. I mean, there's, you know, one which is funny that has, there haven't been a school shooting recently, but I thought this was going. This was a pandemic of school shootings. It was going to keep happening. Well, and but well, I guess I, nobody's I, in school. I mean, I, 
On the one hand, there's always the argument that, well, maybe they're still going on, but the media just isn't covering them because that is exactly what the mainstream media would do is that they will cover every single person that brings walks onto campus with a gun in their belt. If it's a slow news day and the moment something more interesting is going on, they're like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not going to report anything. But because, the- again, statistics in a large enough sample, uh, something is always happening. So the the real bias from the media is selecting what it is that they want to report on. That said, though, I honestly believe that there are probably fewer school shootings when nobody's in school. That does, that does have do? a tendency to go out with go out with an AR and shoot up an empty school. Like, yeah, nobody's here because of quarantine. But uh, by the way, if if anybody is planning, I'm not recommending anybody go shoot up an empty school that has no kids in it. But if you do have to do that, just make sure that you wear a mask and properly social distance, because otherwise the Karens will get you. Yeah. COVID the I mean, there is something to be said for your own sanity that news of somebody getting shot and killed on your block should affect you way more than somebody getting shot and that killed the next town me. over somebody getting shot and killed, you know, um, in another country, somebody getting shot. You know, this is the reality is there's there's varying levels of how much you should care about something, not to be callous that people got killed, but you have to understand that the world's a big place disasters are going to happen people are going to do bad things and if you are either triggered or emotionally crippled when something happens to people that um, you never I mean, met yes, for most people you know and we're never going to meet that is not a healthy way to lead your life just can't do it you just can't be like oh no somebody was killed that i was never going to meet well uh, yeah i did people here's here's a news flash for as long as there have been people there have been some people again tiny percentage you know tiny percentage of people are pure and utter dicks just news flash in case you didn't know that uh as long as there have been people there have been some people who do terrible things to other people the exceptionalism in the information age is that now we have the ability to know about every single time it happens. And that is psychologically damaging. Yes. In, in you know, a hundred years ago, yeah, people were doing horrible atrocities, possibly even worse in a lot of places. You know, the maybe, the, you know, I, I feel like our atrocities are more civilized now. A lot of them are economic, <laughs> but uh but we didn't know about everything. We didn't know about the you know a, a communist government on the other side of the country who was enslaving an entire population of muslims in order to you know produce products for greedy americans we didn't know about that it, i'm certain it happened but it wasn't in the news wait then again that story's still not in the news today wonder why that is well because if you want to stop all of that sweatshop stuff well then you build everything in the United Cause, States cause and that's by way, inconvenient. By the way in case anyone's wondering that is in fact happening the, it was the the Uyghurs isn't it what it's called? Yes. Uh it, it is in fact happening in China right now the Chinese people are literally rounding people up putting them into boxcars and enslaving them for the purpose of going and working in factories that make American shit. I'm just saying that is in fact happening. But and funny, we, not a lot of reporting on it. No, and we talked about the nine million or so people that are enslaved on the continent of Africa still currently in today's yeah. day. Yeah. Oh, slavery. Yep. 
actually 9 million. That is way, way more by, by a couple orders of magnitude. Well, by at least one more slaves than were ever in America during all the time that, that slavery was allowed in, in the United States. Yes. And that's the, one of the places when we talk about reparations that I disagree with MoFax. And I mean, I understand his concept that if the United States would just pay reparations, we could be over with it. And I, I think no. a lot of it for him is just, no, you know, you, you close you want, it out. <laughs> you want more racism. That's how you get more racism. Go ahead and take some poor dude who is barely making ends meet, lives in a trailer park and steal his money or her money from them because of their skin color and then hand it to somebody else because of their skin color. You want more racism. That's how you get real racism. Yeah. You, you don't, you, you know, this, this systematic, Oh, you're white and therefore you're racist. That's a really abstract concept that nobody actually believes except for some stupid retards who are currently just bottled up burning Portland down. But you want to turn 70% of the country who all, you know, 70% of the country have pale skin. Why don't you steal everything they've worked for and hand it to somebody else and say it's because of your skin color? Boy, that sounds like a great way to get a real generation of racists. You, you want people to go out and start actually protesting en masse about white supremacy. Not this, oh, you know, these people kind of think that Black Lives Matter might be a little bit of a, a problematic Marxist organization. We'll call them white supremacists. Not that kind of white supremacy. <laughs> Not the kind where people who are sick and tired of being locked in their houses go and stand on the steps of the Capitol and there's a dozen of them. No, you want 500,000 people to march on the Capitol and tear it down brick by brick. Why don't you go ahead and start truly oppressing them because of something, some immutable aspect of them, like their gender or their skin color. And yeah, that this is literally the worst idea I've ever heard come out of the Democrat party. Well, and now Mo wants it. He's not, he's not even that party, but I think it's cute that Mo thinks that would stop this stuff. I mean, that's, you know, there is no appeasing them, (laughs) right? That is it. It's like it's, you think that, OK, if we give you this, then all of a sudden that it'll all back down. It's like, no, because the people calling for this are the Marxists. And the only thing they're going to be satisfied with is capitalism has gone bye bye. And the United States now looks a lot like Venezuela does right now. Do, which do you is, honestly think that that would satisfy? Them? I don't. I, I think, don't. But Mo I, does. I, I think wokeism has no doctrine of atonement. We need and, to get Mo the, on the show. We, you know, we probably do. I'd love to talk to him. I mean, I, Mo is I against my will. I've listened to that show a couple times, and Mo is extremely knowledgeable and and does he does more research on these topics than than I think even Adam and John put in on most topics. He that yes. guy he puts he does the work. Well, uh, but- I'm I'm really impressed with his analysis. The Honestly, the only problem I have with him is that he's the one who taught Adam Curry how to be racist. <laughs> I don't believe that. But uh, the the concept with Mo Facts, it's it's a three hour show on average. And it is kind of like what we were doing back at the beginning, which is usually it focuses on one topic and he builds through a bunch of clips and a bunch of sources. He builds a narrative and shows how they all connect. And it's it really is. I called it a master's level class the other day, but then I was, oh, wait, that's racist. Master's level. Uh, that sounds no, like no, something. It's, no, it's not. Believe it or not. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, 
it is a master's level class in the kind of chicanery that's going on. And the fact that it seems from what I can tell that he is the one, Mo, bringing all the clips to the table and kind of letting Adam just soak it all in and react to everything that he's bringing. Yeah, Adam's kind of playing the Bemrose in that in that <laughs> relationship. He's, he's just, you know, in, inserting useless comments once in a while. You know, and Mo is dropping this information that a lot of people have never heard. And there's a reason and, for it. And yeah. again, the media doesn't tell you this stuff. And actually, Adam, Adam's comments aren't useless on that. What what Adam is is doing is he in 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 literature, he is playing the part of the the relatable character that everybody listening to it follows along because for a lot of the people especially you know a lot of people on the no agenda network and a lot of people listening to it the things mo is bringing up are just things that we never would have thought about and that's probably the most awesome thing about that show is that mo is bringing the he's he's bringing new you know, I think ideas and and topics that nobody really thought of and going here, this is why you should think about it. And that's valuable. And having somebody like Adam who is learning along with us is is what makes that podcast so relatable. Well, and it's the it's the two sides of that coin being that, you know, if Mo just did this podcast on his own, there's probably a lot of white people that would have never listened to the show. But because Adam's part of it, they're like, well, we like Adam from No Agenda. So we're going to we're going to give this thing a try because we're used to hearing Adam and we we like what he says. So if he's vetting this guy and he says we should listen to him, then that brought a huge audience into Mo. And it's great that you can have two people that are you know from completely different cultures that can talk about topics because you're going to have different points of view. And it's interesting to see how the two worlds collide there. You know, I, and and. The, the, like I said, the biggest problem I have with with MoFax is that they focus way, way too much on skin color as if that's a proxy for culture. And the the culture that Mo talks about most is the inner city Washington, D.C. culture. And that's not it. It turns out there's a strong correlation between that and skin color, but that's not because of skin color. It's because of where they grew up and where you know it it is far more socioeconomic status than than skin color and i hate people saying oh well this is a black thing when when really it's it's a thing that is characterized by the socioeconomic status of the people who happen to be in that neighborhood many of whom have dark skin but if you are a light-skinned person growing up in exactly the same situation you're going to have that outlook and if you are a dark skinned person who is, say, uh, grow, you know, born in Kenya and then growing up in Hawaii and then elected office in Chicago, then you don't have a freaking clue what that situation is like. No. Well, the most interesting thing, and everybody should listen to the latest Mo facts, was when Obama hit the national stage, Mo saying, you know, I'd never heard of him before. And Adam was like, well, nobody had. And Mo's like, but you don't understand myself and my family consumed every ebony magazine jet magazine bet tv it's like we were totally engulfed in this black culture nobody had heard of him this wasn't like he was a star that was coming up that you know hometown boy that you would have been hearing about he just kind of popped out of nowhere which i thought was the most interesting part of 
the episode so far. Almost as if he had been grown in a vat. Yes. Well, we know he kind of has, which I want to know if they mentioned my buddy Mike in the episode. So I I have to listen to the rest of this to see. But uh, Mo does good good work. How how do you feel about a tech story? (laughs) I like tech stories. I think we've, you know, we've hit the stuff. We know there's violence in the street. I mean, I don't think anybody needs to be told that. you know, Oakland protesters set fire to a courthouse. I mean, that that's that's completely peaceful <laughs> setting yeah. fire to a courthouse. That doesn't that's not making any statement about law and order and justice in this country when protesters are setting fire to a courthouse. I don't think that's anything. No, I, actually, I do have I do have one thing. One more thing to say about the the current clash with the the federal sending the arm the, the what covert agents or what what's the stupid story like oh they're abducting people off the street because of one anecdote whatever uh-huh. well yeah well this uh, is here's the thing federal I, agents I, i'm hearing that from people i'm hearing that from people locally who have no knowledge of politics whatsoever and they're making sarcastic comments about trump abducting people off the street i'm like you actually have no idea what you're talking about but you're like but it's normal. called arresting them i'm sorry here's here's but, the deal <laughs> they don't have to come in in a marked squad car with the lights blazing they can get in any way they want once they find you they say please you're fucked you're on you're under arrest you know i don't care if they throw them into an unmarked van at that point or a fully marked cruiser you've been arrested these people are violent in the area so do you think they're going to go in in a fully marked van no they're going to go in they're going to find the person they're getting they're going to arrest them and pull them into the van and get the hell out of dodge before these anarchists that are in the area lighting fire to courthouses and smashing windows and smashing police cars they're going to arrest whatever ass bag they were looking for and they're getting out before their vehicle gets surrounded yeah and well and uh, you know what the worst part about it is that they're not even getting a participation trophy for it <laughs> the, the uh the police or the rioters Yes. All of the above. <laughs> the, the police have, have spent enough time in the real world that they, they're true. Their personal worth is not tied to participation oh, trophies. Wait, wait, with this, I'm sure these, maybe these this was the answer. Idiots. You might have hit on the answer. If we could just pr- get a bunch of participation trophies and bring yes. them into Portland yeah. and give them out with the, these kids go home. Yes. You, <laughs> you win a gold star. I've, Achievement unlocked. Burnt down a courthouse. Yes. I, I have proof now. Here's my trophy. I participated. Yes. <laughs> let's just you know you, you you can pop it pop up get a little icon on the screen achievement unlocked yeah <laughs> acted like a dumbass in public yes uh, but i just want to say um i feel like this might be the first misstep that that trump has made uh and at least the point where he kind of lost me and and you're gonna have to follow me on this because i'm gonna come across sounding like a callous asshole so used to that like the other 70 <laughs> but, some odd episodes um sending troops in i i i feel like you know he spent the better part of two months letting these cities stew in their own juices and burn down and the only thing that he had to do was stick to his guns on no federal aid for rebuilding if you chose not to have to stop this rioting when it started i i absolutely in favor of saying no you don't get federal aid to rebuild your city because you chose to let the city burn when you had the power to stop it. But I think that sending in federal troops was actually a bit of a misstep because he, he backed down on the idea that 
Uh, you're the mayor. You clean up your own mess. Um, he gave the media what they've been desperately hoping for for the last two months, which is fodder to say, see, see, he's an authoritarian jerk bag who wants to trample your rights. They've been desperate for him to do anything during all that time so that they could rightly claim that, oh, my God, he's acting like a fascist. And he finally does one thing. And he told I mean, for, so from a political step, it was a misstep. But from the perspective of is it right to let these cities burn and let these people suffer from their own decisions? Yeah. Yeah, it would not have bothered me all that much if Portland and Seattle burned all the way to the fucking ground. If if that's what it takes for people in these cities to finally wake up and acknowledge that maybe vote blue no matter who is not a winning prospect. It is not a winning strategy. Maybe if if, if Trump goes in and saves all these inner city retards from the from the results of their political leaders, then come November, these inner city retards are just going to vote the same damn leaders right back in. Maybe if they actually feel the problem, maybe if the entire city is reduced to the, you know, just post, if, if the whole city is completely rubbleized, people might go, huh? I wonder if maybe we shouldn't reelect the same dipshit politician. You know, it's hard to say. I have a slightly different viewpoint from watching Chicago burn for as many years as it has, because you're hearing, as we talked about earlier, what the mayors. Well, it's all because Indiana, you know, the states around us. This is the problem with the violence in Chicago. This is the gun problem. And people are ignorant. People are stupid. And they have no idea what's going on in reality. They just know what they've been spoon fed. So I agree with you that trump could have held strong on the no federal funds with that said i don't know if he has that power especially to carry this one out meaning once november comes let's just assume he he, doesn't win then he has no more power at that point so sure my guess is right now he seems to think that he has the power to dismantle the entire drug industry well he's yeah what's forward there's a lot of power there yeah but when it comes to this you know, again, the president can write as many orders as he want, whether it's going to be followed or not, whether it's legal, that becomes the question. And in the case of the violence in these cities, I think he had a very fine line to navigate. And this is one, if you do nothing, then he kind of looks weak. And I agree with you. The end result could be the city's totally burnt to the ground. And him just going, you know, ha ha. But I don't think that necessarily works for a president. Probably it's probably not politically beneficial for him to actually look at the rubbleized remains of Portland and go, ha ha. I mean, that's something I would do, but I'm not electable (laughs) as a president. Yes, that, uh, you know, but that that's the concept. Knowing that and I'm I'm guessing there was a lot of polling that was done with people in the area because you know how politics works. That said, you know, at the start of this was probably, hey, you're living in Portland. What do you feel about uh, the president centering federal troops? in? And it was probably like 95 percent. No, I hate that guy. And like a month and a half into the writing, the same call to the same guy doing a poll going, hey, how do you feel about the president? Yes, please send help. And that may have been 
have been the tipping point to where Trump figured he has to do something to try and show both to the leftists to try to stop the violence, but also to show his base that he wants to vote for him. Yeah, I'm going to still kick ass and we believe in law and order and we can't let this go on. And I'm assuming the hope was anybody on the fence, any Democrats who have a sense of common sense to their brain would see this violence as a bad thing and be able to go, well, okay, I might not like Trump, but yeah, sending sending people in to stop the violence when you have mayors and governors of these areas going, no, no, it's fine. It's just a peaceful protest. Then I can kind of understand that might be helpful for him. But we'll, we will know in November, I guess. I, I, I think we will. I, I'm not a fan of violence being done against anybody in general. But at some point, I mean, wh- how, at what point do you throw your hands up and say, you made your bed now shit in it? That may be the point that all these cities are in. Well, <laughs> we'll see. So, um, meow. <laughs> database gone <laughs> i don't know how many people have heard of this one but uh it, it was it was fascinating um it, it, this this by the way this is a quick grumpy old ben's reminder to secure your databases if you have databases online first of all think hard about whether or not you want them to be internet facing because that's that's a little dangerous right there but if they are just just have some security do you Do you want to give the gist of the story? Well, this again, these are hackers and bots just doing the job of sanity because they're going through the Internet. And this is the interesting thing with that I found when when using all of these content management systems to build websites, which so many people do, including grumpyoldbens.com, which we use WordPress. A lot of people use Drupal. A lot of people use Joomla. They're all these backends that basically have certain scripts which compile the site and they use a database to hold all of the information and this was when i realized how many of these bots were out there when yeah. the minute and, and one of these exploits was found in something like drupal like 10,000 sites were hit immediately yeah because <laughs> because people have bots all ready to go it's like you know just you've got a slot for the for the uh um vulnerability and then a slot for the payload and they'll just, you know, prepare 10,000 bots, load up the payload they want and just wait for a vulnerability. And in this so, case, the the end result was just eh, we're just going to delete everything. Well, it, and, OK, so from from where I read the the story was not that a vulnerability was discovered. It was that there are databases on the Internet which are practicing only security through obscurity. It is, is is this not the same story? It, it people left their deba- databases unsecured. They left it with no password yes. or anything. Set Just up poorly. If if you know that the server is there, you can write to it. And there there is no evidence that this is more than one person, but one person with a script. Uh, from what uh, what I read was it was from a Proton VPN IP address. Yes, yeah, so you can't tell who it is. <laughs> nope. Um. One person with a script and a Proton VPN account uh, is going out and running a script to search the internet for any database that they can log into and write to. And if they find it, they are overwriting all of the data in the database to the word meow, like what a cat says. Meow. 
<laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, most of the things that are being hit are Elasticsearch and MongoDB, but that's that's kind of the those are the in databases these days. Um, a, a lot of the sites are things like you just described, Grumpy Old Ben's, which uses a uh, a WordPress front end and a database back end, and uh, you know, grumpyoldbens.com. We do the sensible thing of we don't expose the back end database to the internet. Yeah, that would be the bad. Back end database is exposed to the front end WordPress software, and that's it. But but there's a lot of places out there where they're like, yeah, we just you know threw the database and we gave it internet connectivity so that we could test it or remote management or something. Well, <laughs> so um, as of this morning, uh, it looks like there have been over. 4,500 uh, publicly accessible databases that were unsecured, like no admin password, that have just been overwritten. The whole data, all the data in the database has been overwritten with the word meow. So if you went to your local banking site today and everything said meow, you'd need a new bank. Yeah. So either either your bank got hacked or it's being run by cats. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe both. <laughs> Maybe both. Bots are serious, man. Bots are serious, which is why. You have to patch your stuff. And well, one, if your guy's setting this stuff up, always have a username and password when you're setting up databases. Just saying you would think that would be a no brainer. But I guess a lot of times it depends if so many people are so ignorant when it comes to tech that you hire somebody on Fiverr to do something for you. And then you're going to be surprised that it wasn't set up correctly. Just saying. I think. I think cold acid in the troll room has has stumbled onto the real key is do not bank by a bank run by cats. That is true. That would be bad unless it was Catwoman, yeah. the early Catwoman from the 60s Batman. Then uh, I thought Halle Berry had some nice curves. I, yeah, um, I mean, Julie Newmar is Catwoman. Let's be honest. Yeah. I mean, all the rest. I, I don't care if she's Catwoman or not. Seeing Halle Berry in a cat suit <laughs> was OK for me. I mean, I, I wasn't I was saying able- it wasn't the best thing about the movie. Yeah, just saying. Um, but D Link got hit enough. You know, we've seen a lot of stories over the years with this kind of stuff. This off of bleeping computer five severe D Link router vulnerabilities disclosed patch now, which is we've been telling you multiple times on Grumpy Old Benz. If you have a router, go through and update the firmware on your router if there is a new one available, and if it's an old router that somebody like D Link or whoever the router was made by Linksys isn't updating it anymore see if it can run something like ddwrt although and being being, the problem with the big problem with routers is that nobody updates them so the moment that there's a single vulnerability it's millions of bot net or bots that will never be patched yes and i use a, a secondary router to bypass the mlb tv restrictions you know so you can watch local games even though you know, I swore I would never watch baseball again. I wanted to see the the crap show that this is with nobody in the stands, and I was having some issues with the DNS server that we use. There's a place called the Unlocator, been using for years. Works for all the major sports things, so you don't have to run it through a VPN. It just does magic with your DNS. And I looked at the router that was being used just for this purpose, and it's a an old Netgear. And I'm like, okay, I haven't updated DDWRT since 2017. So I went and grabbed the new firmware from DDWRT. I flashed it and I bricked it and I couldn't figure out why I bricked it. It took me like 90 minutes until I came across a post for somebody that said, uh, oh, you know, I was grabbing version one because there's multiple versions of certain routers. 
when it should have been a different version. And I realized I just had a very similar problem, which is being a guy with really crappy eyesight. I grabbed the 3700 model rather than the 3800 model. And uh, it turns out putting the wrong firmware or trying to put the wrong firmware on a router. Routers don't like that. Uh, no. And, and usually <laughs> you can't just like pull it up in safe mode. Yes. Which is one thing I'll give this net gear. It's like it has the safe mode. So I had to go TFTP into it then and, and update yeah. the right stuff. Uh, at least there's a way. Yes. I Back in the day, if if you and, and I've done this, like I've done this with my PC BIOS. If if you manage, if you try to flash the BIOS and anything goes wrong or you get one bit off, congratulations, you're buying new hardware. Uh huh. Well, yeah, I remember the early Linksys routers. You actually had to open up and like touch two pins together and all this. They had cables to do it then, but uh, it wasn't easy. So they did start building in the back. I actually support that because they hey, having your your reset all configuration to def- system defaults. Uh, available via say uh the an ip uh connection you know i is is just asking for vulnerabilities i like the idea that that if somebody is going to wipe out all my security settings they're going to be in my house touching two pins together that i'm I'm actually okay with that yes that's okay i i do i get that and i mean i understand the uh, the concepts behind all of it but when you're doing it Oh man, it can just, it can drive you nuts. And I did yeah. and this didn't help because obviously I had the wrong firmware on it, but you don't realize what a pain in the ass it is to do an old fashioned 30, 30, 30 reset, which is now you have your router and you have that little hole and it's never, you know, it's always like when you put the paper clip in yeah. and press the little thing down, you know, you can always go to the side and it's not pushing it down or that's easy to like slip the thing yeah. out. Holding a paper or, or clip. You can, or you can try to do it drunk and then see the paper clip come out through the other side of the board. Oh, that's awesome. You've done that? Maybe. Now that is a professional level experience. <laughs> but it's like it's it's like stupid human tricks when you're perfectly sober, if you have big fingers like I do, trying to hold a paper clip in the little hole because you you do that with a the power plugged in for 30 seconds and then you pull the power plug out while you're trying to keep the thing in and then you have to try plugging the power back in and still keeping the reset button held down the whole time and it's like that's way harder than it should be <laughs> i mean really Get good yeah you learn, know learn dexterity yes i've been trying it's uh it would definitely help I, you take the paper clip and you, i kind of like then had to like bend it in a way where i can hold it or, down and or or the method that always worked in the past Go find a 10 year old kid. They probably know more about computers than you do. Probably. At least that was true when I was the 10 year old kid. Nowadays, kids don't know that much because computers are just appliances. Well, yeah, but, they just look at their phone and play games and you're like, but how do you reset your router? They're like, oh, my parents are too uh, stupid to block porn. So I've never looked at my router. I, I mean, back in the day when when, you know, our parents were the baby boomers and we're saying hey uh you know i don't understand this computer stuff can you figure it out and you know 10 year old me is like well here's the problem you didn't reset the cmos and then you know hit delete and hold the the f1 key while you logged in i mean are you stupid yes <laughs> and you know of course i i always had the way of making sure that other people around me felt stupid it's it's a very important part of feeling superior to everyone else Yes. So update your routers. It's fun. Yes. And, you know, just grab the right firmware. That would be very helpful because even if you don't, because because I guarantee it becomes a very effective security barrier <laughs> if you grab the wrong firmware. and break Yes. It. 
It is the best firewall in the world. The minute you put the wrong firmware on a router, it just blinks at you going, I don't know what you yeah. want, dude. And, and, and all of those malware packets, they go nowhere. They just bounce their ass right on back to whoever was sending them to you. But it's true. I mean, people don't realize that that router now is back in the day. Nobody really gave much thought to the routers being compromised. But now the routers are actually have some decent hardware in them that, you know, rather than just wanting to hack the system oh, behind yeah. the router, they just want the router. I, I mean, if you've got a, an Arduino or a Raspberry Pi floating around, a, a, a sufficiently motivated script will turn that into a bot, part of a botnet. Your your router is way more complicated than that. Yes. The Sir Bembrose botnet coming soon to a router I mean, near you. you. Know, I, your your light bulbs may be part of a botnet. Your smart fridge with that stupid ass Android interface when in the, the one foot square screen on the front of the fridge that will tell you that whether or not you have mayo, even though it's wrong all the time, that is probably part of a botnet because or you know, you connected to the internet. Yeah, that smart TV that you were like, yeah, I'd, I'd love to to be able to just play Netflix on my Samsung TV. Yeah, congratulations. Your TV is totally part of a botnet if you were dumb enough to plug that into the Internet. No, that is absolutely true. You just have to be responsible again for your own security, which is why TikTok is in the news again saying uh, no, no, no. Even though TikTok is still denying all of the stuff. This was uh, I think this was the guys from Proton Mail also. Yes, Proton Mail's conclusion on the TikTok uh, issue is pretty stark. Quote, the fact that TikTok is owned by a Chinese company, one that is explicitly said it would deepen its cooperation with the Chinese Communist Party, makes this excessive data collection even more concerning. The Chinese government has a history of strong arming and co-opting Chinese tech companies into sharing their data and then using this data to intimidate, threaten, censor or engage in human rights abuses so even proton males getting in saying don't use tiktok morons yeah you know i i I hate to stereotype like this and i certainly hate to to paint an entire nation worth of a billion people with one brush but what you just said is pretty much the reason why the pragmatic security like if if you are concerned about security on in your network or your infrastructure the pragmatic thing is yeah, don't use anything that came from China. Not not because the Chinese people can't be trusted. There is there's a little bit of a culture thing, but of course in any group there's always going to be somebody who's honorable. You might have even found them. But because even if you find the most honorable person in China who will absolutely play it straight, the Chinese government can then go kidnap that person's family and be like you're putting in a back door. And yeah. what are they going to do? We want the data. You're going to give it to us because they don't live in a free country. And I know this is surprising to a lot of these protesters who want to turn the United States into China, but maybe go live over there for a while and show go go down and go, 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 go do your protesting for the free Hong Kong and see what happens to you. Yeah, go to well, I, go to China with a free, free Hong free Kong T-shirt. Yes. Free Seattle, <laughs> free Portland, free Chicago. <laughs> You go down, go down there with your crazy, you know, liberty ideas. And trust me, you, you'll get beat up just as much. Yes. And it just won't be by the feds. No, no. And you'll be disappeared. I mean, you really think you have a fascist government here in the United States. Just wait. Just wait. Go see what it's like 
in the go, go see the nice folks that run the Chinese uh, government there. India, we talked about this before you left on your glamping vacation that they had blocked a bunch of apps. They're at it again. Now, 47 new apps, a vast majority of them were created to get around the last band so people could use TikTok <laughs> and stuff like that, which I thought was genius. It's like, really? Sure. Really? Do you, you're that addicted to this bullshit social media stuff like TikTok and WeChat and all this other stuff that, you know, you had to and try the, to. It's nuts. The funny thing is everybody taking sides. I, I you know, ev- everything was totally cool when it was, uh, it, you know, it, it, some some developers in India released an app that you would download and then you could say. Uh, you know, I want this to remove all the Chinese apps that that's where it, it's entirely voluntary on both sides. And I'm totally with that. I, I was a little sketchy when the government of India comes in and is like, yeah, we're banning these apps and, and, and maybe it is for the best, but I just a little sketchy whenever a government decides that they want to ban something. And then seeing Apple come out and take sides and say, well, actually our terms of service say that nobody can ban any app ever. And uh, everything from China should be on your phone, which isn't exactly what they said, but it's kind of effectively what they said. And I'm like, okay, they know which side of the, the continent their you know, supply line is buttered on. Well, yeah, because if Apple pisses off China, then who's going to make their phones? Well, I, I'm, we, we could do it. Could we? I don't know. But, <laughs> I mean, I guess if you had the right amount of money to but set the, up. The real question is not who's going to make the legit phones because, you know, Apple can come up with new supply line. It's where do you get the constant supply of cheap Chinese knockoffs? True, true. And they make some really nice stuff. I mean, I've had people asking, they're, you know, recently. They're, not even, they're, they're low cost, but they're not even that cheap anymore. Some of the Chinese knockoffs are really good quality products. Yes, they are. Well, that's I've had people that have asked questions, you know, recently for microphone recommendations and for headphone recommendations and i had to say you know i like the american stuff that i've got you know i've got some nice audio technica headphones but i will say i've had chinese knockoffs that sounded exactly the same for about a fifth of the price so you know microphones the same way it it really there's hit and miss because there is like one company that makes all this stuff and uh, you know some of the stuff is good and some isn't and it's that was the one thing I noticed when doing the reviews on Amazon back when they allowed that stuff was I would end up getting like 10 different products from different companies. And the headphones were very much like this, that it was obvious that it was one source selling the headphone to all 10 of them. And the only thing the 10 companies were doing was putting their product name on the device and on the box. That's it. Because the 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 brand name that's painted on there that that actually is probably the biggest indicator of quality, isn't it? No. Well, it would be if you weren't reviewing them. What the hell? <laughs> you know. Well, that is. Uh, you know, there's nobody knows the brands. That's the. Go ask anybody who's ever bought a monster cable. Yeah, well, yeah. You talk about overpriced. Talk about anybody who has Beats headphones. I always cringe when it's like, yeah. oh, Beats. Yeah, they they're great, man. Your musical sound great. No, it'll sound like crap. No, it. It, it, it what it'll sound like is the sound of your wallet emptying. Yes. And they're very happy for you yes. to, to take that sound. So, yeah, I and, don't and, mind. And, you know, if, if it's a status symbol, I mean, I uh, for a long time, I considered Apple phones to be in this category, uh, it, it, a status symbol of, oh, I've got the beats. I've got the beats headphones like, OK, well, the, 
Are they any better? No, but I'm cooler than you because mine say beats. That's right. Try Husker said beats suck ass. That's that's a nice way of putting it. That would be a feature. <laughs> that would be very popular with a certain. I, I, that that the, might make them more useful. Yeah. <laughs> for a certain a population uh, part, uh, that would be something they were looking for. All these little devices now that are adding to the, these mess, all these things you connect to your phones, including uh, Garmin, who I mean, I've no I know Garmin from making all their GPS stuff. I had no idea that Garmin is making smartwatches now, but I, there was an article on uh, the Hacker News about Garmin having a ransomware attack and all of a sudden their watches, it seemed like stopped working. And this think about this. So if you take one of these watches and and I'm just I'm making a lot of assumptions here on this stuff. But if this is like the Apple Watch, yeah, yeah. because because I absolutely want a second device on my person at all times. that's listening to me. Sure. Yes. Well, that was kind of my thought. So you have these watches, which then, you know, coincide. they, They coexist and talk to your phones. But this is something else now that can get hacked. And all of since you're pairing it with your phone. All that information on your phone could be going to this. So when the company making the watch has a ransomware attack and they all of a sudden go, oh, shit, we're shutting everything down. That tells me there's some bad stuff going on. Or or you found one of the few companies that's responsible. Most companies, when they're like, oh, this can compromise all of our users data. And they're like, well, can it compromise any of our corporate secrets? Well, no, we don't store that on the client's phone. Okay, then just sweep it under the rug and let's try to get a fix out. Yes, it's a, the, the responsible companies are the ones that are like, this can compromise all of your data and therefore we're going to stop all data until we have a fix. And that gets made really public and some people get annoyed. But frankly, I'd rather do business with a company that does that. That would be nice. But in this case, Garmin is dealing with a massive worldwide service interruption after getting hit by a targeted ransomware attack. An employee of the company told the Hacker News on the condition of anonymity. The website and Twitter accounts say, quote, we are currently experiencing an outage that affects Garmin.com and Garmin Connect. It also Uh, affects our call centers (laughs) to be able to receive emails and chats and all of this. It's all affected. Any downtime as a result of a ransomware attack means that you need to fire somebody in your IT department because ransomware has no effect on you as long as your critical systems are backed up and uh redundant right the the only every single time that you you see the word ransomware attack associated with any kind of outage it's okay some idiot put a critical system up with no backup and then some other idiot installed the wrong thing and opened up their you know bent over dropped their drawers and opened up all their security to it there's there's a ransomware attacks are a pretty well understood vulnerability and and the mitigations are not that difficult the first one is that if somebody manages to install a ransomware on your machine you're like okay that machine's dumpster pull the first backup out Th- this is understood and any IT group worth their salt is is going to be able to mitigate the vast majority of this stuff yes and there's a ceo quoted in this article from some company called gurusol which i've never heard of his name is Saryu Nayar, who says basically what you did. You just don't know when the bad guys are going to attack and who will be their next victim. However, what we know is every organization is susceptible to ransomware attacks. So do what you can to prepare and respond. Hopefully, Garmin has a daily backup regimen for the company's yeah. systems and data. 
If if you're doing it right, then you know somebody hits one of your servers with a ransomware attack, then you're like, well, um, we just lost a uh, twenty one hours worth of data, um, and then you know another two hours to bring the the full backup and the new server online, and then we'll worry about what to do with this other one. You know, and this is something that anybody that has a small business that has a website especially if you take orders through that website or if you communicate with your customers or store any customer data, you have to be aware of this kind of stuff. And I know I've worked with a lot of people who are just like, what backups? What do you mean? I have, I didn't know I was supposed to do that. <laughs> back backup. No. Yeah. Uh, uh, here's, here's a hint. Um, backups they're they're a relatively new idea that has been, uh, recommended for any kind of computer system for, as long as there have been computers. <laughs> yeah, it I used mean, to be. They used to be a new. pain in the ass, though. I mean, you used to have to have a tape drive normally to do the backups. Uh, there was a time. Yeah, you know, if, if you're willing to put, put throw money at the solution, it's generally really easy. Uh, you know, my my C drive, uh, if I'm OK, well, the, the C drive is just an SSD that has Windows in my swap file and then misbehaving software like like fuck you chrome that always installs to see because it never bothers to ask what drive to send it to but uh, if i lose that i need to reinstall windows uh my data drive the one that i put everything that i actually want on um i just went you know because especially today drives are cheap i i went i was like i need a terabyte so i bought two one terabyte drives and i mirror them raid zero that that's probably the easiest way to do it now that doesn't you know solve if something goes in and decides to take out both at once because it's malware. Right. But that's why you use, you know, backups for, you know, Oh, look, another throw more drives at it. Just mirror your data everywhere. And we all heard yesterday, if you're a fan of no agenda, what happens when a C drive fills up during a show? It's you don't do that because it, it's not just, Oh, I'm writing data and I need to make space for the data. It's everything you do in memory gets thrown to the swap file. And if, if you if your swap file drive is full, then programs run out of memory and just crash mysteriously. And you're like, well, I wasn't even writing data. Well, no, if you're using RAM, you're writing to your swap file. Yes, I had to move the swap file because of the fact that this Dell shipped with a C drive, which is an SSD. You know, instead of the actual drive, it's a little card, which I'm not even sure yeah. how to. Re- I don't know how to even replace that and make this thing, you know, how to. uh take the old drive and sync it to a new one or something. But uh, that without that being said, I yeah. noticed after one of the last windows updates, my whole C drive was gone because yeah. it just stored everything there. It's like, thanks windows. Uh, we, windows is just about as guilty as, as Chrome and other like just misbehaving installers. Everybody wants things to be really easy. And, and I will harp on Chrome mostly because it's made by an evil freaking company, but also they have dumbed down their installers so much. It's like one click and suddenly everything's up. And what you don't realize is that it just shat a three gigabyte blob onto your C drive. And if C wasn't where you wanted it, then fuck you. Google knows better than you. And I, I yeah, I have like my sis, my setup is I've got the two one terabyte in RAID zero. So I've got one terabyte of my data drive. That is where all of the data that I manage goes. And then I have 128 gigabytes of C drive, which is supposed to be just the OS. But every time that I install something where they wanted to streamline the installer and 
and stop asking useless questions like where should I put the data? And they just drop a big fucking turd on my C drive. Then I have to go in and rejunction point something because I, I don't have that much space on it. And I'd really like to reserve that for things I want. And then, you know, I'm just about managing all of the stuff because I really don't like to install much software anyway. And then Windows Update comes and takes a shit on the last remaining space. And I'm like, excuse me, but I didn't even ask for an update for, you know, Edge from the, the Edge version of Edge or, or, you know, I didn't ask for another update to Adobe Flash for a browser I'm never going to launch again. No, stop it. No, and uh, Radix in the troll room says, just get 32 gig of memory and don't swap. It's like, dude, I have 64 gig. And I can't do that because I've used over 64 gig at a time when you're dealing with huge files. If you do non-trivial things, especially with podcasts, you're going to need that. Uh So I moved the swap drive to another drive. And that also helped because that was where the issue was when it fills up the C drive. That's the swap drive is going to be your problem because it's like, oh, don't got that anymore. Don't got that. that, That's exactly what, you know, he was talking about. Oh, it's it says can't write to drive or something like that. And that was the big clue. Yes. uh, You know, the so. The the symptom was the the random program crashes and the inability to write to the drive, which pointed to one of three things, you know, may, maybe swap drive filling up. And that's probably the easiest thing to manage. Uh, the other options were and, and this is something that I actually expect from a surface book that's more than a year old, um, either USB controller failure or possibly your USB drive failure because a. Uh, uh, you know, USB controller that suddenly loses most of its bandwidth is not going to be able to push out wave data in real time. Right. And once he switched the drive he was saving to, it fixed the problem. So I'm assuming it was a swap drive issue because I was monitoring this thing closely. Trying I'm, to- I'm not there and yeah. I'm, I'm not sure it's a good idea for us to diagnose here because Adam is, you know, probably furiously working on it right now you know, i said i tweeted that he was going to laugh about it at some point but not quite yet was, yeah well after he's solved the problem which yes. will it will be solved i have faith in adam the first he's, crash form was 53 minutes in the second was 39 minutes and 20 seconds after restarting the third crash was 19 minutes and 20 seconds after restarting and the next one was 14 minutes and a half and the next one 12 minutes and 52 seconds it was getting shorter Every yeah. time, which leads me to believe it was a dry filling up thing more than just randomly flaking, or it could have just been randomly well, that it was happening more I and mean, more. That that I, that could I, again. I don't I don't know that it's fruitful for us to sit here and and diagnose, but that could also be a function of increasing memory fragmentation. Uh, you know, which, which could have been solved with a reboot. I don't know. He just well, he rebooted like four times. So he needs okay, you well, on staff there at the uh, in the well, it's not the Cluedo anymore. He needs you just to come in and take well, care of that you know, stuff. We're, we're on staff in the troll room, and lots of us were trying to offer helpful advice. <laughs> not much of it was helpful, <laughs> but we were trying. Did, did you try turning it off and back on again? <laughs> yes, that's that's usually where you're going to get the rage, and it yeah. was nice. Well, it, he, at least we don't have a lot of jiggle the handle anymore, right? And it was nice. He has a wife who heard what was going on and brought him an alcoholic beverage. See, that is yes. helpful. That was the only helpful thing that happened throughout the whole process. That, that was helpful. So I had uh, one other tech story. I don't know if it's that important, but uh, it is. Uh, it's about a month old. Well, that's fine because um, Comic Strip Blogger said he wanted more tech stories today. So hit him with the okay. tech story. So, so this one is about a month old, and if this was a month ago, I'd actually be raising some huge red flags. 
because before there was a patch to this, uh, I'll just preface this. There is a patch now. Uh, before there was a patch to this, this was really, 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 really horrible. Um, and it is a vulnerability in uh, new GNU new new. Yes. Uh, I've never known how to never known how to pronounce that uh, new TLS GNU TLS uh, had a vulnerability that has existed for about four or five versions, about two years now, um, which if, if taken, if, if it allowed a passive clear text recovery attack in TLS 1.0, 1.1 and 1.2. Um, this is uh, really, really bad because it means that if you are using uh, TLS and the server is running new TLS, um, anybody with a man in the, you, you, you use TLS because you want to encrypt your communications. You encrypt your communications because you don't want them overheard. But with this particular vulnerability, any man in the middle could recover the clear text trivially. Um, like just, uh, just poke this one bit and suddenly the decryption key is right out in the open and you have it passively. Um, TLS 1.3, which is not, it still doesn't have super wide adoption, uh, but is, is the newest version. Um, the attack had to be active. They had to, to send some, special data packets to your system, which means you can filter for those. But uh, with 1.0 to 1.2, you don't even know what's happening and you can't defend against it. Um, the, it, it had to do with um, the uh, shoot. I don't see it. Session packet. No session tickets. Um, the, the session tickets were not properly initialized. And that meant that any man in the middle uh, it, it effectively was, was the same as sending your, um, your first few packets were all with, uh, a default password is effectively what it was. Ah, nice. Um, yeah. So the result is that if you caught those first few packets in a transaction, um, you know, eventually the session ticket would be updated and properly encrypted, but you already had the whole session. So, I mean, you, you got it if you were the man in the middle. Anyways, uh, the effect is that this, um, to, to put it in terms that, that more people can understand, this effectively turns HTTPS back into HTTP if you are connecting to a new TLS server over 1.0, uh, TLS 1.0 to 1.2. Nice. Um, that's bad. Uh, the, uh, 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 some examples of uh, software that was using affected versions of new TLS. Uh, Apt, um, those for software update, um, WebDAV, uh, curl and wget, uh, <laughs> git, just in case you were doing source control and wanted it to be secret. No, not encrypted. Um, <laughs> mutt, uh, your, your, your encrypted email. No, no, not encrypted. Um, WeChat, you know, that, that software that was, uh, designed to be secure. Right. Communication. Yeah. No. Uh, Maria DB. Yeah. Um, just, uh, okay. A couple things that were on the not affected list, Apache, new PG, Python, Nginx, open SSH. So not everything. Um, and then the other thing is, uh, if you are using, uh, open SSL instead of new TLS, then, uh, there was no vulnerability. Uh, but, um, the, the, the problem with this, this, this was introduced two years ago in a software patch that was designed to allow 
uh, session tickets to be modified on the fly. And this, because it's in a security software and because it, uh, it involved the handshake, which is one of the most dangerous parts of the security software. Um, it was studied by a lot of people and it still got in. And um, I, I'm, I'm using this as a platform to drop into my rant about the many eyes fallacy in open source. Uh, a lot. Have you heard about the this aphorism in open source? Well, yeah, it's basically that so many people are looking at the software that if there was an issue, they would have seen it. Which is complete and utter bullshit. Yeah, because, people are incompetent. Well, it, 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 not even incompetent. The average programmer is not qualified to do a full cryptographic analysis on an algorithm in code that they're glancing at. True. And even the ones, you know, so, so no matter how many eyes you have, uh, it, it only say 10% are even going to have the chops to be able to really dig in and understand. And, those 10% are probably coding their own stuff. They're probably looking at a lot of code and there's absolutely no reason to believe that people are going to deep dive that deeply into every single patch. No, they're much and more likely just to find something not working you know, because of time. Uh, they are in fact incentivized to not look at it. They'll look at the surface and go, yeah, I think that probably works fine. and the 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 many eyes fallacy has been given as evidence that open source software is somehow more secure than closed source and i i think that that's garbage um you you know what you know what prevents bugs good. testing and good writing well the, that that helps that's where it but, starts but but the problem is programmers tend to be human and therefore bugs will get in no matter how good you think you are the next level will be computers though they're they're it's happening but um the i mean this this was something that that i actually came up with back in windows when my allegiances were totally closed source and frankly i don't i don't necessarily have that allegiance anymore and i'm not even sure i did back then but the the correlation to software quality is not whether or not the source is open the thing that makes software high quality is testing 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 it, it is you have to make sure that your software has been run through all of its paces. And most open source software uses what has become the windows model of testing, which is eh, release it. Some user will report a bug. Well, yeah, you're, you're, now you're the Guinea pigs. Yeah. So um, they, I, I just I, pe- people who claim, Oh yeah, it's open source and therefore it's more secure. That's that's hornswoggle. That's, that's nothing that uh, no, if if you want it to be more secure, you need to devise a very effective test kit and you need to religiously run it and you need to make sure that qualified people are not only, you know, just reviewing code is not enough. You absolutely have to run it and make sure that it does what you want. And this this is one of the reasons why. And, and you know, I always like to bring any software development story back to Microsoft. These people are idiots when they decided to fire all their testers right before Windows 10. Yeah. Well, and there's also the the question of whether it's intentional when it comes to jumping to a different story on this kind of stuff. Did you see the thing about the DJI, the company that makes all the drones, the app there that they have out for uh, the Android operating system? I, I, I heard that there was a story. I saw a headline, but I didn't dig in on that one. Well, now, according to cybersecurity firms, 
Snective and Grim, they found that DJI Go 4's Android app not only asks for extensive permissions and collects personal data, including your IMSI, IMEI, the serial number of your SIM card, it also makes uh, anti-debugging and encryption it makes use of anti-debugging and encryption techniques to thwart any security analysis. They said making it very similar to malware. Malware. Uh Uh-huh. Says given the wide permissions required by the DGI Go 4, your contacts, microphone, camera, location, storage. This this is why I don't install apps. (laughs) Yeah, all available to the DJI or Weibo Chinese servers. They have almost full control of the user's phone, they say. So I, I think you just said the word of the day, Chinese. Yeah. So that's even worse, right? I mean, I don't know. Uh, Microsoft, at uh, least it's an American company screwing you in the behind. Uh, I, I mean, that doesn't make it better. The, the Grim researchers say this was undertaken in response to a security audit requested by an unnamed defense and public safety technology vendor that un- sought un- to investigate the privacy implications of DJI drones with the Android application. Uh, reverse engineering said it uncovered the existence of a URL which is service ad hoc DJI.com, blah, 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 that yeah. it used to download an application update and prompt the user to grant permission to, quote, install unknown apps. We modified that what request the, to force what, an update to an arbitrary application, which prompted the user for allowing the installation. And then, you know, basically, this was a great way to put malware on the device. The, the longest running problem in all of computer security has always been the uh, the the giant vulnerability that that occurs between the keyboard and the chair yeah hubcap it's yeah it's it's uh it, it, people if if you want security you you need to be paying attention to stuff like uh you know this flashlight app wants access to your camera what this fart app wants to be able to install software you to you you probably don't have a lot of recourse. Usually if, you know, if your operating system lets you tell it, no, you don't get that permission. Sometimes it just won't work, but you're, you always have the recourse of don't install that crap. Yeah, you could, but most people do because they don't know any better unless they listen to our show. And then we listen to Brian Bemrose and don't install apps. Just yeah. don't do it. And, and, and if you're, if you're running a, a server that uses GNU TLS, make sure that you update to version 3.6.14 or better. And when it comes to the DGI, it's like, okay, this is great that it's attached to a device that has a high res camera too. So you just have to wonder where all your video is winding up, but you know, yeah. I mean, don't, don't be worried it, it about it means, it means that my naked pics are now on a server in China somewhere corrupting the data slowly yeah why are you using a drone for that what are you doing in your backyard that you're i don't even want to know but i mean here's here's a story that i don't want to know i think this will just depress you or enrage you and either way i'm okay with either if you've been pretty much this every story in 2020 if you've been following along with no agenda you've heard about the book white fragility and okay i'm already depressed and enraged (laughs) the woman that wrote this dr robin d'angelo you know she's just down the street in the shithole city we call seattle yeah i saw that she washington free beacon all this but this is where the story was uh in the washington free beacon who looks like 
somebody that's actually trying to do journalism in your area, which I do like free bacon. <laughs> yeah, I, I like free bacon better than free beacon, but this is this is slightly different. It's talking about her scrubbing her website about donations that she was allegedly giving to organizations that maybe she actually wasn't. And then there's a whole thing about the Internet Archive and the oh, fact that she's shady virtue signaling saying I, I, you know, I give all of my my money to these charities. Yes. The page was edited as recently as Friday when she wrote she would begin donating 15 percent of her after tax income in cash and in kind donations starting next month. Which suggests, of yeah. course, they say she has not previously been doing it, as the page had said. That okay, so I I don't know if I read the same article as you did, but I the the part I loved about it was that for years and years, and you can find this on archive.org, uh, her website said I give to all of these you know seventy something groups, you know, because I need to give back as part of my whiteness. I owe the world something. Yes, and I I, I am. I am all for giving to charities, but I, you know, dressing it up like I have privilege and there. Okay. Well, then she's using racist reasons to, you know, she's doing the right thing for some terrible freaking reasons, except that when the, it might've been the free bacon, but uh, when the publication did actual journalism and went and started contacting all of the organizations listed on her website, then within a few hours her her website suddenly all of all of those donation links went away and that was when she put up well i'm gonna start yeah they had to be updated i mean because she maybe was exaggerating a little bit when she said she was giving enough of her income that quote she could feel it obviously maybe that wasn't the case but that to me i mean people being douchebags as you said there's always going to be dicks and this i just kind of wrote it off to that figuring you know, this is what's going on here. Virtue signaling. I'm giving to these organizations. And that well, really wasn't even the part of the article that disturbed me. The part of the article was she's a complete nutbag who nothing that's been in her books or anything has ever been proven to be true. It actually, the people that have looked into this said it actually makes racism worse and all that. But let's oh, forget about all that. Uh, everything about the the new postmodern philosophy about systematic racism, everything about that. Well, I, I I cannot confirm that it's intended to do this, but it absolutely creates more racism when you accuse people of being racist or or, you know, you, you accuse people of something they're not doing simply because of their skin color and it has nothing to do with them. Congratulations. You are pissing people off and making them think worse of you in a racial context. That's how you get racism. Yes. The Free Beacon points out the White Fragility book, which argues that all whites are racist and any rejection of that fact is only further evidence of your racism. To address racism, (laughs) D'Angelo argues. Which is horseshit. (laughs) Yes. To address racism, D'Angelo argues that it requires the sort of anti-bias instruction she is selling. And selling is the key word here. Now. Yeah. The first thing that just made me throw up in my mouth a little bit was that on her book alone, which has been out for two years, they say she has likely made over two million dollars on the book. But yeah, it's a fantastic scam. It is. And that's not even where she's making the most money. She's on the speaking, giving talks. Yes. Which we know you can get lots of money. If you're somebody like Bill Clinton, you go out and you give these talks, you make a lot of money. The 
One of the speaker's bureaus that handles her told the free beacon that a 60 to 90 minute keynote would run $30,000 two hour workshop, 35,000 and a half day event, $40,000 for a half day work. Yeah. Good, good work. If you can get it, it ain't honest, but it's much. I don't know. We need to start doing half day events or keynotes. (laughs) If, if somebody wants to pay Darren and I $30,000 to talk for an hour and a half, then donate to grumpy old Ben's. Cause we're already doing that. Yeah, we're in, this is what we're doing, <laughs> except we're giving you information. That's actually useful. Yeah. And, and what, what makes that article, the, what makes the free bacon, the most delicious is simply her sheer and utter hypocrisy. That that's what it is. And my, my favorite line, and I'll quote this exactly from the free beacon. D'Angelo did not respond to multiple requests for comment for this article. You don't say. <laughs> I wonder why. Don't usually when people are being like hammered like this, if, if they're being wronged, don't they want to get their their side in? No, but real journalists doing real journalism. So thank you. Free bacon, as you call them. Is there even a, let's see. Uh, Charles Fane Lehman. Don't know who he is, but uh, obviously somebody's still doing journalism. So thank you, Charles. It, it had to happen somewhere. And it, when when the mainstream stopped doing it, it had to end up being blogs doing, you know, there there's a lot of people out there doing actual journalism. And most of them are, you know, releasing their results on Twitter, which is, I think, a mistake. But uh, or, or, you know, on their blog, I to be honest, most of the best stories I get are somebody went and did a bunch of research. And then posted about it on the blog post. Some of the most brutal tech stories I've found were uh, somebody went and downloaded a piece of software they weren't sure about, dug in really deep and wrote a a 12 page blog article on it. And it never really would have gone anywhere except that uh, word of mouth is still a very powerful technique for getting words out. People are hungry for the truth, no matter you're talking tech or politics or whatever. And that's getting harder to find. but. We do want to thank our donor for today, the expert for today. We only got one, but it was a good one. It was if, Sir. If it's the right expert, you don't need more than one. That is true. It is Sir Quiston of No Agenda Fame comes in with fifty dollars, and he sent a note in that said, "Came to you guys a little late, but have caught up over the lockdown." So, see, the lockdown's been good. Wow, people have some listening there's to do over 100 hours of grumpy old Ben's out there. Yes, there's well over 100 hours now. We, I did the uh, the total the other day. It's getting scary how many hours of grumpy old Ben's are out there. But he says, enjoyed listening to your conversations and the guests. The Lima Rita Budweiser sticks in my mind as I've had it. And it's awful. So I don't know <laughs> who had, stuff is the worst. <laughs> so, okay, you talked about those. I didn't even remember talking about the Lima Rita Budweiser sticks, but that's I've never what? consumed them. I'm I'm generally pretty liberal about what kind of alcohol I'll put in my mouth. I'm like, you know, I really, you know, I, I'm dry. I'm sober. I desperately need a fix. I'm not picky. Got no no dignity whatsoever. Fine. This stuff I couldn't handle. And in fact, uh, I, I got about two thirds of the way through the case by pawning it off on guests saying, hey, check this stuff out. You, you want to try it? <laughs> oh, it's great. You it, need this. Yeah. And, and of course they get, you know, one drink in and spit it out, but then they, you know, most of my guests are at least more polite than I am. So they won't, they'll, they'll sit there and choke it down. And I'm like, yes, one more can gone, but I ran out of people I know. And I ended up having to pour out the last few. I mean, I swear, I, I, 
I tried cutting it 50 50 with tequila and, <laughs> and it still was undrinkable. I'm kind of picturing you sitting out front with like a lemonade stand that's like free beer, free <laughs> beer flavored beverage. You hear, come on, try this, kids. You'll love it. I don't know. He said to try the authentic Budvar, B U D V A R, renamed from Budweiser as Anheuser-Busch has better lawyers. He says, buy a couple of beers and keep going. So we appreciate that, Sir Quiston. Yeah, we plan on keep going and, and we could do the show drunk. That could also be fun. Uh, that that's, that's the show that Bemlet wants to do with me. That's a show Bemlet wants to do. And for those listening live or immediately after this drops, we do have a scheduled broadcast for Wednesday night, a swap cast with the boys from Grimerica, which should be interesting. That may be, that may be drinking yeah. time. Cause it's five 30 here. I had not, not here. It won't be because I actually have a dental appointment earlier in the day. Ooh, well, you might not be able to talk, which could also be a benefit for yeah, the that guys. might improve the show. <laughs> That's also going to be fun. Three 30 your time, five 30, my time, six 30 Eastern time, a swap cast between grumpy old Ben's and Grimerica who they do an interesting show. I have to say, I'm not into the paranormal I, that kind of the you know conspiracy theory stuff but they have some I, I'm very not, i'm not into most of the stuff that they talk about and yet i still have find myself listening to the show because they first of all uh you know they they've got a guy named darren how can they go wrong right uh, but D- darren and graham are pretty awesome guys to listen to and then they find the most exquisite whack jobs so when somebody says darren it's going to be interesting yes that'll be fun we have to just rename you Graham for the show and it would be perfect. But they're much more soothing voices than we are. We have they're they're the it doesn't eight, take much. You are the atypical Canadians, just like nothing's gonna bother us. We're just really calm, really cool. Nothing's gonna get us going. We're we're on the other side of the spectrum of my man, we're gonna get nuts. So well, uh, we're on we're on the spectrum somewhere anyway. <laughs> that's where I we're on every type of spectrum in one way, uh, shape, or another. So Check. I know we're not done with it yet, but can I just say on, you know, on behalf of everyone, 2020 fuck off this year sucks. It's been an interesting year and I don't know where it's going. It's going to be uh, it's going to be a ride no matter what. So we appreciate everybody, including Sir Quiston, who listen to the show give us your time, hang out in the troll room during the shows, support us in all sorts of different ways. It is a whole lot of fun doing podcasts no matter what. But as the audience grows and you get the interaction, that makes it a whole lot more fun, which is why, uh, I mean, we brought you into this kicking and screaming. And now here you are doing uh, three shows a week this week. Yeah, I well, I have to make up for I, I have to prove myself. I have to make up for you. You doing two guest shows where you're you're just like, yeah, well, let's just pretend that Bemrose is somebody else who right. is sane. <laughs> well, that's how I do the shows anyway. It's and just I, like <laughs> just insert sitting here. I, I, you know, I, I, I thought phone boy was good, but I don't think he's going to replace me. I was really worried about that. Spencer one. Yeah. Spencer can do uh, it. I mean, he's got the job is not dude is not as angry as I am. And that's probably for the best. I possibly because he, he uses chemicals to improve his mood, <laughs> but uh, I, I was worried because the, the, I mean, the guy brought up the right kinds of kinds of things to rant about. And with practice, he, he could go Bemrose. Yeah, I mean, then he had the he had the knowledge of you know the Negro Leagues Museum and barbecue and all the good stuff that I wanted to talk about. So it was really a yeah. uh, was a nice change and, of pace. And Phone Boy was it was super interesting and talked really fast, but <laughs> he just he did not 
he just doesn't have the capability to get angry like me. So I'm feeling like my, my job is a little more secure there. Yeah. Even when he's angry, he just talks faster. He doesn't sound angry. Yeah. It just ramps yeah, he him up. He doesn't, he doesn't bring the rant, although he does have the right name for the governor. Yes. And we found out that if you listen to phone boy at 1.5 speed, he is just saying, worship Satan, worship Satan, worship Satan. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. You have to try that on your own. I'm going to have to take your word for that. Yeah, try it on your own in your favorite podcasting app. But there will be plenty of grumpy old Ben's goodness. We're happy you're back from your vacation that you survived, that you didn't wind up in jail, although it would have been one hell of a story. You know, this makes it a lot easier than having to. I mean, I don't know if you would get two hour phone calls from prison. So it's easier to do the show if you're not incarcerated. And we appreciate that. But until next time, which will be Wednesday and then Friday. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where our barbecue may be good, but our felons are great. And from America's left coast, where 2020, like a kidney stone, this too shall pass. I'm Ryan Bemrose. But it'll be painful. It is.